The meaning and the problem of the parable today is pretty clear. It's the solution that gets murky. The meaning and the problem. God has set up this vineyard on the earth and within the human soul for man to respond to him and to bear good fruit. The problem, man is not born good fruit. In fact, the fruit is rotten. And to extend the problem, whenever God comes to harvest the fruit, most particularly in sending his son, man kills him. Because the son, Christ, is the externalization of man's conscience. The externalization of man's conscience. When the Pharisees see the son, they only see their own sin and their own infidelity. And so they must kill the son. You could say the same thing as Father Sibley externalized my conscience for me in basic human tasks. A simple walk through in the kitchen externalized for me that, yeah, I didn't do the dishes, okay? I'm sorry. You didn't have to say anything. And me to him as well. Just simply keeping my hands at my side and not scratching my chest was a simple externalization that, yes, humans don't have to put their hands and satisfy their itchy chest hairs. But that's neither here nor there, nor is the significance of the parable reduced to such trivial externalizations of conscience. The example, and what I'll spend the bulk of the homily exploring, that comes to my mind, is from the classic novel, The Brothers Karamazov, a Russian classic written in the 19th century by an author, Fyodor Dostoevsky. And there are four characters of note that I want you to be able to keep track of in this uh, episode of the book. Because what makes the book complicated to read is kind of tracking the characters. So I just want to set the stage by saying there are four characters of note in telling this story. But it's very reminiscent of the episode here in the Gospel, but also the solution of not becoming a wicked tenant. So, I want to begin with the character Grishinka. Grishinka, while it does not sound like an attractive name, is this attractive, kind of sultry woman who is pitting against one another the father of the brothers Karamazov, Fyodor, and the eldest son, Dmitri. They're pitting against these two figures because she is seducing both of them to see who she can marry so as to receive a nice large sum of money from them. And while she is really succeeding in this endeavor very well, there's one obstacle to her getting this money through marriage. And that is the fourth character and the youngest son, Alyosha. Alyosha is this Christ-like figure that is very clear to the reader. And for Grishenka, we find out in the chapter titled The Onion, Alyosha is the externalization 
of her conscience. She calls her as much. She calls him as much. And her plan is to lure Alyosha into her house and seduce Alyosha so that if she conquers Alyosha, then it's like she conquers her conscience. She has no one to remind her of how terrible she really is. And so that's exactly what she does. She sets up a meeting with a fifth unimportant character, Rakuten, to bring Alyosha into her home, where she sits on Alyosha's knee to try to stir up lust within him. There's one problem that she does not foresee, and that is that Alyosha, a Christ-like figure who is a novice in a monastery, has just suffered a tragedy. The abbot, I guess you could say in Western terms, the father of the monastery, Father Zosima, has just died. And so he bears so much grief because of the death that has happened in his soul that he can't be tempted. There's nothing that's stirring within his heart. In fact, the only way that he receives Grishenka's action as is if someone is consoling him, someone is with him in this loss. And so he communicates as much later to Grishenka in the same chapter. And Grishenka is so thrown off by this curveball. That is, that this man that she tried to corrupt is now grateful simply for her presence. That she backtracks and confesses how wicked of a woman she was and her intention. She describes herself by telling this story about a wicked woman. Once upon a time, there was a peasant woman and a very wicked woman she was. And she died and did not leave a single good deed behind. The devils caught her and plunged her into the lake of fire. So her guardian angel stood and wondered what good deed of hers he could remember to tell God. She once pulled up an onion in her garden, said he, and gave it to a beggar woman. And God answered, You take that onion then, hold it out to her in the lake, and let her take hold and be pulled out. And if you can pull her out of the lake, let her come to paradise. But if the onion breaks, then the woman must stay where she is. The angel ran to the woman and held out the onion to her. Come, said he, catch hold of the onion and I'll pull you out. He began cautiously pulling her out. He had just pulled her right out when the other sinners in the lake began catching hold of her so as to be pulled out with her. But she was a very wicked woman, and she began kicking them. I am to be pulled out, not you. It's my onion, not yours. As soon as she said that, the onion broke. And the woman fell into the lake, and she is burning there to this day. So the angel wept and went away. So that's a story, Alyosha. I know it by heart, for I am that wicked woman myself.
as she confesses to her evil deeds, Alyosha goes on to later call her sister, in which this very small title, where as these men in the parable see the son, not as the son of the father, but simply the heir, Grishenka at first sees Alyosha as a man to be tempted with lust, and now sees Alyosha as brother. And so in this kind of cathartic repentance, she breaks down, and we get this other side of Grishenka. Not just this wicked temptress, but someone who is in a relationship of indentured servitude. That she is acting so as to get this money, so that she can get out of her plight. And so the real deeper ill within her heart that causes her to bear rotten fruit or just one onion is the lack of forgiveness within her heart. To which she goes and forgives the man that she is in relationship with. She says this in gratitude to which Alyosha responds, all I did was give you one onion. All I did was give you one onion. What is the point? Where is the corollary between this episode of the brothers Karamazov and this parable given by Christ? That as we read, did you ever read in the scriptures that the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? By this the Lord has this been done and is wonderful in our eyes. The stone that the builders rejected is Christ, who in his death has expressed this radical act of forgiveness so that we, simply being in his presence, he who died for us while we were still his enemies, has now called us brother, called us sister, and so shared his life with us. So that Grishinka in relationship to Alyosha, has encountered this cornerstone-like figure, someone in whose grief has simply received the presence of Grishenka, even in her wickedness, and turned this in to an act of consolation, so as to call her sister. And the thing that causes, perhaps, the rotten fruit, that causes Grishenka to go back into the lake of fire is fundamentally, we could say in one respect, this unforgiveness. Let's consider again the setting of sanctification that the Lord provides, as we heard in that first reading. The ground is tilled. There's no obstacle. Within the uh, tilled ground, there's a watchtower. We have God's providence over us. There's a tunnel that's hewn out, this tunnel of grace, so that the grapes can become wine. And yet, the soil still bears rotten fruit. Who is it, then, that's within the vineyard that makes it go bad? Perhaps, in one respect, it's the wicked tenants. It's the wicked tenants who are in competition with one another and who make it to where... It's hard to bear good fruit whenever you're too busy 
soiling, uh, 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 raining the blood with, raining the soil, sorry, with the blood of one another. Raining the soil with the blood of the prophets. I'll simplify it, simplify the analogy. It's really hard to bear good fruit that the Lord wants whenever I'm really angry with my neighbor. It's really hard for me to do good charitable deeds to my neighbor who I bear a lot of unforgiveness towards. It's going to bear rotten fruit. It's going to bear bad deeds. And so the solution then is to let ourselves be taken up, as Grishenka lets herself be taken up to the mercy of Alyosha with the person that she cannot forgive. It's really hard, again, to be able to bear any good fruit if I cannot forgive those who I'm supposed to bear good fruit for. And so the Lord remains as the cornerstone. He remains the standard and the foundation of the life of virtue. As the one who has died for us while we were still his enemies, become the foundation for unforgiveness within our hearts, so that we may be pulled up with the other wicked tenants to whom we are to bear good fruit for.